Welcome to the Procure Strategy Podcast. Here, we talk about practical strategies and tips that lead to creating stronger supply chains and driving results. Here is your host, Louis Bastone. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Louis Bastone. Thank you for joining me today where we will be discussing design for total cost of ownership and what I like to call design for TCO for short. We will first go over why we need to design for TCO, what design for TCO means, and then finally we'll go over how to design for TCO. So I want to start by saying the people that we work with every day, whether that be engineers or HR people, or finance people, or facilities people, regardless of who our stakeholders are internally every day, they don't understand how to design for TCO. And this is why it's important for all procurement professionals to bring this perspective to the forefront for all goods and services that an organization is purchasing. We need to learn to be specification scope of work analysts to drive upstream influence on what's being purchased. Specification and scope of work designed for TCO is the opportunity for the biggest breakthrough when we are purchasing goods and services within our organization. Something important to note about this is that we are not working on supplier profit compression when we are designing for TCO. This is one of the things that makes it so effective because the goal is to work on breakthrough solutions that actually cut costs from the supply chain and doesn't just move costs from one part of the chain to another. So there's really four cornerstones to design for TCO. And I would like to talk about all four of them today and give some examples that gives you a good idea of how you may be able to apply these when designing for TCO. So the first one that I would like to talk about is simplification. So what that means is the kinds of things that as procurement professionals, we would look for when it comes to simplification is getting rid of unnecessary bells and whistles and using substitute materials that our end users might call out and specifications that are in scopes of work, but that don't really justify the goal that we are trying to achieve. Some examples that I would use when it comes to simplification are if our stakeholders gave us a scope of work for janitorial cleaning to be done at our facility, and we start to realize that a lot of the specifications were overscoped, and they don't really actually need to clean the areas that we set as frequently to actually meet the end goal that we are trying to meet. Or if we were doing something like getting structured cabling installed at one of our new facilities that we just bought, and our stakeholders give us a spec sheet that calls out the exact brands of the different wiring that they want. And maybe that wiring is good, and I fully understand that. But what we really need to understand is, is that wire possibly over or maybe it's under 
and maybe there's an alternative that makes more sense based on what the end goal is. The next cornerstone of design for TCO that I would like to discuss is reuse. Now, what this means is reusing processes and materials that are tried and true and proven to work. Now, something that reminded me of this a few weeks ago was when a friend showed me their new pair of AirPod Maxes. And what I realized is the same crown that you adjust the volume with on the AirPod Maxes is actually the same exact crown that's on the Apple Watches. Now, this is probably a very smart move from a procurement perspective, because what they did was significantly increase the volume of that specific piece. So most likely they're leveraging economies of scale to get that piece for even less of a cost than they were before the AirPod Maxes came out. A good example of a reuse is also years ago, Mercedes came out with the CLS. So the CLS was very interesting to me from a procurement perspective because what they did with it was they had all the S-Class amenities, but it cost $25,000 less. And I thought to myself, how did they save that much money with the production of that car that they were able to do that? So upon a little more digging, what I found out is they reused the E-Class chassis. So what this meant is that there was no new molding, no new setup costs, testing, design, engineering, all of that they didn't have to do because they were using a tried and true chassis that they knew worked. I also learned that the CLS class was not customizable outside of interior and exterior paint color, but it was packed with all of the best features what this made me realize was they were able to create a very agile manufacturing line where they were just pumping out cars quickly. And the only thing that they had to customize was the interior and exterior color. This cut down a lot on lead time of the car and it cut down on the cost. So if Mercedes could reuse processes and materials that are tried and true, and shave at least $25,000 off the cost of the car, because if they're lowering the price by $25,000, that means that they're either passing off all of the cost savings to the customer or some of the cost savings to the customer and taking the other part of the cost savings as profit. So if Mercedes can shave off at least $25,000 off of around a $100,000 car, it's very impressive, but they did that through reusing tried and true processes and materials. So next I would like to talk about standardization, which is another cornerstone of design for TCO. I would like to start talking about standardization by mentioning innovation and saying that innovation is a great thing in many ways, but I do think that innovation gets a positive reputation a little too much in today's society because innovation does cost a lot of money. Innovation is very expensive. And for that reason, standardization, which means moving towards standardized components. A good example of standardization is a case study that I read. And in this case study, there was a utility company 
And this utility company brought in a procurement consultant to help them manage their costs better. And one of the biggest costs that they had from a materials perspective was piping. So the procurement consultant brought in the company that did their piping and the procurement consultant said, why is this such a high cost? What is going on here? And the suppliers, there were two guys, looked at each other and they kind of gave the look of, should we tell him? And they eventually told the consultant that this particular customer wanted their name to be stamped on the piping, which really made it a customized part. They turned standardized piping into a customized part, which added about 40% additional cost. And this piping was going underground. So since this piping was going underground, a good question to ask would be, why would you make this piping for a customer and have their name on it based on the application of this piping? And the supplier said that they had to do it that way because during the bidding process, there were a set of specs. The specs claimed that the supplier's name had to be stamped on the piping and failure to comply would result in bid disqualification. So all they were doing is what the supplier told them to do. Needless to say, once the procurement consultant went back to their customer, the utility company, the utility company was perfectly fine with not having their name stamped on the piping. And they had a 40% cost savings on one of their biggest direct material items. Now, this made me think about how often we make suppliers do things that they really don't want to do for us. And they know is a bad idea, but they have to do it for us because we put that failure to comply with exact specifications will result in bid disqualification. This is a good example of how standardization is key when it comes to cost savings because most suppliers don't want to make custom products unless that is their bread and butter and how they conduct business. Most suppliers want to stick to their core competencies and pump out as much product as possible for their customers. So when we ask them to do something, that changes the way that they do things from a standardized perspective, that is going to add cost in the supply chain. And the last cornerstone to design for TCO is supplier innovation. And I love supplier innovation. I think that supplier innovation is one of the most important aspects to supply chains and the way that they run in this day and age. And the reason why is because supplier innovation is one of our fundamental responsibilities as procurement people in today's day and age, because what it allows us to do is go out and understand what innovation already exists outside of our own organization and gives us the opportunity to bring it inside the organization. So... It may not be innovation 
in terms of it's being done for the first time and it's a fresh and new idea that's never been done before. But what it is, is it's innovation for our organization. It's processes or materials that we've never utilized in our organization before. And we're leveraging our supply chain to bring that into our organization to give us a strategic advantage. A good example of this is there was a time that I had a colleague who worked on clean room consumables. So where things are getting manufactured, there's a ton of consumables within the clean room that these folks need to get to on a daily basis. And when suppliers were brought in for a walkthrough, they started really thinking about how they could improve the way that these clean room consumables are set up. So something that started as an RFP for just the consumables aspect really turned into a very interesting conversation about the process of where everything is placed and possibly using things like vending machines and other solutions that nobody in our organization knew even existed that allowed our employees to build the things that they build quicker and more efficiently. The outcome to this was great because we didn't just get clean room consumables at a better cost than we were paying before. We also allowed the suppliers to be creative with the solutions that they provided to us that allowed our employees to build products in more efficient ways, which meant that our organization didn't have to spend any time or money coming up with those processes or considering those solutions before we reached out to suppliers. Now, the most important part of this conversation is understanding how do we do this? How do we design for total cost of ownership? And it really comes from two different places. One is when an internal stakeholder gives us a scope of work or specifications. We need to go through that and understand what is in there that doesn't make sense. We need to have a conversation with the internal stakeholders and figure out what is the end goal of purchasing this good or service. Once we understand that, then we can look at the SOW and see if there's anything that needs to be challenged. A good example that I'll use is a past company that I worked for wanted to implement security at one of their existing facilities and the internal stakeholder the new security manager came up to me and gave me a scope of work for this. And they gave me a scope of work that claimed that they wanted 15 security guards that split shifts between three different shifts and monitor the facility 24 seven, 365 days. And then they gave me a scope of work for the systems part of it and told me, what sort of cameras they wanted, what sort of card readers they wanted, what sort of software they wanted implemented in terms of security. And 
I scheduled a meeting with that security manager and I spoke with them about the end goal of this. And the end goal was to make sure that there were certain areas that at all times were being watched 24 7, 365, and that we wanted a streamlined system in terms of the cameras, the card readers, and the software. And I told the security manager what I suggested is that we give the suppliers this scope of work and the specifications, but we also give them what our end goal is and what we are looking to do. And we allow them to give us an alternative bid if they choose to do so that calls out what they would suggest we do based on our end goal. The results were absolutely incredible because these suppliers got so creative with the way that they mentioned that we should be staffing based on what our goals are and the different technology that they proposed and the different cameras and card readers and softwares that they suggested. It was just very impressive to see three different suppliers step up and just give these creative solutions. Needless to say, we ended up going with one of the suppliers and we ended up using their solution, not the original specifications and scopes of work that the security manager wanted. It was a great result. And it was because we allowed the supplier to be creative, which really leads me to the second thing that we need to do after we speak with our internal stakeholders and we have those meetings with them about how we should allow for more flexibility within scopes of work and specifications based on what the end goal should be, because we have to move the conversation from what they want to buy to what is the end goal of this good or service that we're purchasing. Once we do that, we need to not put failure to comply will result in bid disqualification in any RFPs that we do because we need to allow suppliers to be creative and to help us do the things that we spoke about today. If we allow suppliers to understand what we are trying to do and what we are trying to accomplish, they can help us with simplification, reuse, standardization, and of course, supplier innovation. So next time your internal stakeholders hand you a scope of work or specifications for something that they're trying to buy, make sure to understand that you should be going through that and that everybody should be in alignment, that designing for TCO needs to start at the beginning of the whole process or we are going to be paying for things that we shouldn't be paying for because we didn't go about purchasing this good or service in a proactive way to begin with. And that leads to a lot of unneeded cost throughout the supply chain. So just to recap, when we were talking about design for TCO, it is the biggest opportunity that procurement professionals have for breakthrough that leads to the lowest total cost of ownership with the best results possible. And the four cornerstones of design for TCO 
are simplification, which means getting rid of unnecessary bells and whistles and using substitute materials that make sense based on the goal of what we are trying to purchase. Reuse, which is reusing processes and materials that are tried and true. Standardization, which is moving towards standardized components opposed to custom components. And supplier innovation, which is utilizing suppliers' processes and materials that they have used in the past and were successful with, with their other customers. And the way this is done is by negotiating with your internal stakeholders up front and understanding what the end goal is of what they are purchasing and leveraging that to create a good scope of work and specifications for suppliers to be able to propose some of these solutions that lead to the four cornerstones of Design for TCO. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe, and I'll talk to you next time.